Welcome to episode four and a half of our EdTech training series. Yes, this is another bonus episode, so we're continuing on in that theme of having one bonus episode per week, at least for right now. But this time it is a little bit different. Today I'm going to share some quick tips on utilizing EdTech to better communicate with parents and students, especially in a digital setting. So I want to start off by saying that communication is always important. And we know this being inside of the classroom. Think right now about all the ways you communicate with your students in a given lesson. You communicate with them right away when you're asking them to follow a procedure like doing a do now, sitting down, rules and expectations. You communicate with them when you are giving feedback. You communicate with them when you're giving due dates. You communicate with them when you're providing your course content. And we all know that when we have a routine that's easy to follow, students know exactly where to look for their work. The same thing goes for a digital setting. The problem that can occur in the digital space is if you're not consistent with where you're posting your work, with how you're posting your work, with when you're posting your work, and how you're communicating with your students and reaching out to them, if that is not consistent, you're now breaking everything that you would do in a traditional classroom, right? We're often creatures of habit, but unfortunately in the digital space, we might learn a new tool, we might learn a new tip, and we might just start course correcting and changing immediately, and we throw too many things at our students at once. Now, communication isn't just for the students, though. It's also for the parents. So also think about the ways that you would normally communicate with parents in a given week or a given month. Is it a newsletter? Is it hard copy? Is it when they're picking up their children? Is it giving them phone calls? See, parents need to feel involved and knowledgeable of what's going on. But what about in the digital world? The tools at our disposal do make communication easier, regardless of if we're face-to-face or not. And so what I'm going to share today is a few tips that you can implement into your digital classrooms or face-to-face classrooms right away in terms of communicating with educational technology. Number one, use the chat feature of Google Hangouts and Gmail to talk with your students. Now, even if you're more comfortable with email, I can assure you, your students probably aren't. Now, that's not to say that they should never email you, because they should. I think that teaching students explicitly how to frame an email is very similar to how we used to be taught how to send letters. Right now, they need to be taught how to send emails. And so that is certainly something that needs to be said and and explicitly stated. I actually have an email unit that I do for my ninth graders and sometimes my 10th graders in the very beginning of the course. I teach them how to write an email. And that way, for the rest of the year, when they write me an email, it needs to be formatted appropriately. It needs to have the correct tone. But we should know by now that this isn't what's normal for our students. This isn't what's natural for them. So they're going to be less inclined to do that and send an intelligible email. And they're not going to send it as frequently. But we do know that our students are used to chatting, right? They'll comment on things online through Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. They make they make short videos and send them to people to communicate that way. 
They'll communicate with people through direct messages. And they even kind of have their own language of the abbreviations that they'll use and the phrases that they'll use, the slang and the lingo. So they're more comfortable using instant messaging and chat features and texting. So Google Hangouts allows you to do that to them through their email, though. But I've seen through digital learning that my students will talk to me more through the chat features than they would ever before through email, and some students might even be more comfortable speaking to you in an online setting than they would in a face-to-face setting. Fact is, this is the most comfortable way that students will communicate. They could use emojis. You could use emojis. It's less formal, so you don't have to worry about sounding as professional as you have to in an email. Now, that's not to say don't be professional. You do, and you need boundaries, and you need to set up all those ahead of time, and you should know what's appropriate to say and what's not. But using LOL probably is fine if that's what you would normally do. Like my students expect that I would kind of talk that way anyway because it's natural to me. I'm not trying to do it to fit in. But I've noticed that there's been an increase in communication with a lot of my students. And it's a lot easier for me to just quickly type in the person's name and send them a message. Even if just, hey, just thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. I've done it during the summer. Just checking in saying, hey, I hope to see you in AP Literature next year. Right? And they'll get that, and they know that you're taking time out of your day to do that. And you can know that they're probably more likely to get it and read it quickly through Google Hangouts than they are through Gmail. So send messages, and send messages on more than just class stuff. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them what they've been watching on TV, how they've been passing the time. And then you could use that information to personalize learning for them. This helps build relationships and it makes the students feel comfortable reaching out to you. Some of you may know this, some of you don't. I'm an online instructor with New Jersey Virtual School, which offers kids uh, makeup credit, and it's it's a fully accredited online school, and we can give credit through other schools. So a school could send one of their students to make up English credit with me through New, Jer- through New Jersey Virtual School. Tongue twister there. Now... I never meet these kids face-to-face. Everything's always digital. One of the things that I do is essentially Google Hangouts. It's a different type of platform, but it's instant messaging. It's, it's kind of like setting up text messaging. And I use that with my students to communicate with them. And I have found over the couple years of doing this that the students that I reach out to and that actually respond to me via text and instant messaging, those are the ones that seem to communicate with me more frequently than anybody else, especially than those that only respond via email because it's just quicker. And if I do it from the start of the course, I've noticed that they're more prone to ask me questions throughout the course, even if they're small little things. Why? Well, because they don't think that they're bothering me. They know that we've already established this rapport and this procedure of, oh, my teacher's accessible. I can just instant message my teacher real quick and they'll get back to me as soon as they can. And so it actually works very well because those are the students that typically do better than the other ones. So think through how you could use Google Hangouts. Think through how you could be reaching out to your students on a daily or weekly basis. And every single student you can do this for. Number two, think about sending video emails. Sometimes answering an email may be easier 
to just quickly record a three-minute video, right? Instead of sitting down and trying to pick out the right words and respond to a student's question or concern or even to a parent, it might be worth it to just do a quick little screencast video where you're either showing your screen or even better yet for something like that, make it more personal, use your webcam to film you answering it. You could even do it through your phone and then you just attach that file to the email. You don't have to upload it to YouTube or anything like that because that wouldn't be appropriate there because you're answering an individual person. So they might even want to see your face. So then you could also encourage them to send emails back to you in this way especially if we are in a fully digital space, right? This is more conducive to that. If you haven't seen them in a while, maybe encourage them, say, hey, why don't you just send a quick one-minute video reply back, and you can do it that way. Now, if we are face-to-face, you can still do this. I do firmly believe that sometimes emails to our students and to our parents would probably be more effective in a video form than it would be an email form. Now, here's something that you can actually try. It's an ed tech tool to try and make this a little bit better for you and your students. Try a program called Flipgrid. That's F-L-I-P-G-R-I-D, Flipgrid. Now, full disclosure, I haven't fully tried Flipgrid yet, but it has been very popular in ed tech over the last couple of years. I would say it's been probably the number one talked about ed tech tool in in my circle and what I see on Twitter and online. And it's essentially a video discussion boards for students. And they're meant to be like little quick things. They're not meant to be super long. But teachers have used it for full-on discussions. It's supposed to be easy for students to just record a video of themselves answering a question. And then students will also respond with videos. You can do like host different chat rooms in that regard. And It's primarily asynchronous, so try that out and let me know how it is because, again, I haven't tried it, but I've seen many age groups use it. I've seen young kids use it, and I've seen older kids use it. I've even seen some college kids use it, and teachers use it as part of their professional learning network. Number three, set up video office hours or set up small group sessions with your students. Now, This can be just to chat or check in with them. You can use Google Meet for this. If you have a small group, you could use Google Hangouts. If you have only one or two people, you could just start a video chat with them that way. But set up consistent office hours and say maybe from 10 a.m. to an 11 a.m. session, you are available and all they have to do is click the Google Meet link and there they are. And then you could start chatting with them about the coursework or maybe they just want to check in and say hi. Or you could take it a step further if you don't think that your students are going to utilize that. You can schedule out what would be best for them and say, hey, I need four students every Monday and Wednesday who are going to rotate and be in this small group session with me. And you could just check in with them. It doesn't even have to be educationally related, but it could if you wanted it to be. You can check in with them and ask them how they've been doing with their work. You can ask what their process has been for getting stuff done. You can ask to see their progress. You can answer some questions for them. You can make them come up with questions that they don't even know they have yet. So check-ins are likely to help you gauge where students are at and be a good, non-evaluative way to measure their learning. And don't be afraid to ask them for feedback for your class, especially if you're in all digital like we were starting from March. You can just 
Ask them, hey, what do you guys think about the layout of the course? What do you guys think about my Google Classroom? What do you guys think about the workload so far? And if you start getting the same amount of feedback from all your students over all these small group sessions, you know that might be something that you can change, right? And even if you're not going to change anything, you at least have a better gauge of what they're feeling during this time and you're more in tune with them. Plus, they're now talking to you and they're having communication with you and they're voicing their own opinions, which is important for them to do as well. So set up some video office hours or schedule out some small group sessions. And you could do this with parents as well, especially if you're in the younger grades and you feel like parents need more of those check-ins. You can kind of do parent-teacher conferences this way and set up office hours for parents. And maybe it's only once a month or every other week instead of once a week. Say, hey, from these hours, I'm here to answer general questions about the class. But if you want to schedule a more specific time where it's just about your kid, then here we go. Because I know a lot of parents may have had questions about, like, oh, where do I go to find this? Uh, what What is my kid supposed to do with this problem? I don't understand it. Well, these video office hours allow you to have a more personal touch and stay in touch with the parents. So it's something to consider. Now, finally, this isn't so much a specific tip. It's more general, and it's about parent communication. Everything that we talked about, you can modify to be for parents as well. Now, a lot of people like to do newsletters. Now, think about it. Newsletters can be personalized by doing a screencast video. You could show off student work. You could explain what the class has been learning, and you could even preview what's upcoming in your course. Now, I would say there's probably more people willing to watch a five-minute video than there are people willing to read a five-paragraph email. And obviously, I'm just picking the number five, kind of arbitrary there, but I think you get the point. More people are willing to watch a quick video, especially if it's personalized to the class and to their kid, than they are to read a, an, an email. And it's probably something that they would rewatch if they're a little confused over something than reread in an email. So that is what I would say about parent communication. Just try to be more intentional about it. Now, in closing, regardless if we will be face to face 100% of the time, for next year, regardless of if we're going to be fully digital for most of next year, or a hybrid approach, a mix of both, think about the communication that you have with students and parents, and be more intentional about that communication. And if you do that, you just may see an increase in engagement and performance and even trust among parents and among your students. So something to consider using these EdTech tools to bolster your communication inside and outside of your classroom.